illuminate these scriptures and these mysteries, convict and console our hearts, speak, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. You might be asking yourself, you know, listening to this gospel, or if you read it beforehand, it's like, oh, like, is the Lord talking about the end of the world? Is it talking about his second coming? And, and part of it, that is what he's speaking about. Like, okay, well, that's a weird topic, right? I mean, as you see sometimes things on the internet or people talking about the end of the world or these different things, or when is that going to be? And most of it's just uh, really silly speculation because Jesus is pretty darn clear. No one's going to know. And only the Father, right? Only Christ knows. And so why do we have this reading today? Because we're coming to the end of the liturgical year. If we remember, in a couple of weeks, we're going to begin Advent, the beginning of the liturgical year. And the whole entire liturgical year for us as Catholics is like a microcosm of salvation history. That we begin in Advent longing for the coming of the Messiah. So the focus are on these prophecies waiting for Jesus to come. And then we have Christmas where we celebrate the incarnation, Christ coming in the flesh. Then there's a little bit of ordinary time where we're just kind of living with the Lord in day-to-day life. And then Lent begins where we're journeying towards his passion as we enter with him. And then there's Holy Week. And then the Easter season is 50 days. We celebrate the resurrection of Christ and the coming of Pentecost. And then more ordinary time until the end of ordinary time. We begin to look towards the last things, towards the second coming of Christ. And so the scriptures last week and this week kind of pointing in that direction. And the last week is going to be next week, which is Christ the King Sunday. So that's why we kind of have this gospel passage here. And um, I'm going to just look at it on three different layers and focus on the middle layer. So first layer is Jesus is saying this, like the historical context is this right before his passion, before he goes into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, they go up to the Mount of Olives. And some of his disciples, they're like checking out the temple, and they're like, man, the temple is amazing. And these guys were from like the country area, you know, and so they would go into the temple every day. They didn't see it on a day-to-day basis, so they're there again. They're kind of awestruck by the temple. And then Jesus kind of drops a bomb. He's like, yeah, you see the temple? Well, there won't be a stone left upon a stone. It's all going to come down. Now, I don't know if, 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 if I were them, I would have thought, like, yeah, right, like, really, seriously. But notice they don't ask that question. Why don't they ask that question? Because it, the temple had already been destroyed before. This is the second one. So it's in their history that they know, like, dang, is this going to happen again? Because the temple was the heart politically for them, but especially spiritually. Like the, the, the whole nation, like who they were as a people in relationship to God was all, you, all centered in the worship of the Lord. And their spiritual lives there at the temple. And they all had to go every year and make sacrifice. And so did this come down again? It's going to be like, gosh, we're already occupied by the Romans. This temple's going to come down. They're freaking out. So they just ask, well, when is this going to happen? And what sign will there be when these things are about to happen? And so he says, don't be deceived. 
Many people are going to come in my name saying, I am he, but don't follow them. And then there's going to be wars, and there's going to be, you're going to be taken from the synagogues, and they're going to bring you before the court officials. You're going to be martyred, all these things. And what's, what's true is, is that in the year 70 AD, the Romans literally came in and destroyed the temple. It's called the Jewish War, and they killed like a million Jews. Why did they do this? Because there were some guys, some Jewish guys, who said, hey, I'm the Messiah. And what we're going to do is we're going to kick the Romans behinds and get them out of here. Okay? And the Romans didn't take very kindly to that. Like, yeah, <laughs> nice try. Boom. You know, destroyed the temple, killed all these folks. So what Jesus is saying, historically that happened like within one generation. That's the first layer of this. The third layer, we're going to skip over to the third and come back to the second, is Jesus is talking about his second coming at the end. He's speaking about when he's going to come at the end of the world uh, to judge, right? And, and that all things are going to be renewed in Christ. And these things are going to happen, and there'll be these signs and these different realities. So he's speaking about that. But what I want to focus on is the middle piece. And the middle part is that actually all of these things are happening right now. At the church, people ask, like, hey, when are the end times? Like, you read a scripture passage like this, when are the end times? And the church, from the very beginning, from the apostles all the way till now, has always said, since the resurrection of Jesus and until the coming of Christ again, the second coming, these are the end times. So if you're wondering, we've been in the end times for about 2,020 years. That's how long we've been there, Right? And then we, we are going to, um, I say to minus, minus 33, right, actually, Jesus, right? And then we're going to be there until the Lord comes again. And we're in this time. So all these things, when Jesus is talking about wars and insurrections, like don't be terrified. These things are going to happen. Martyrdom, these things are going to happen. They're going to persecute you. Like these, these things are, have happened, will happen, are happening. And the part that I want to kind of zero in and focus on is this. So if you've, like, not paid attention to any of those pieces, then here's when the homily actually starts, okay? Don't worry. It's just another 45 minutes, I promise. <laughs> Jesus tells them this one thing. See that you do not be deceived. For many will come in my name saying, I am he. The time has come. And Jesus says, do not follow them. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and the time has come. And Jesus says, do not follow him. What is, what is, what is this? The church sees this as Jesus prophesying, right, what had already happened then, but what happens all the time, a pseudo-messianism. What is a pseudo-messianism? People who are coming and saying, I have the answer to your problems. Like, I can fix all of your suffering or the particular suffering that you're in apart from the Lord. Or even in a way that's twisted and make it seem like it is with the Lord. And so this, the, the church, in the Catechism's paragraph 675, it says this, speaking about this deception. This deception can come in the form of religious deception, offering men an apparent solution to their problems at the price of apostasy from the truth. Right? An apparent solution apart from the truth, the goodness, and the beauty of who God is and who we are created in his image. It says the supreme religious deception is that of a pseudo-messianism, 
by which man glorifies himself in place of God and of his Messiah come in the flesh. Some form or fashion or all forms or fashion in which we are like, I'm going to just fix it myself and not rely upon the Lord, not rely upon him. Now, granted, this is not what I'm saying. Some people can read this and go, okay, well, all you have to do is have faith in Jesus and that's it, right? Like no matter what happens, you just have faith in Jesus. You don't worry about science. You don't worry about medicine. You don't worry about the political realm. That's ridiculous, okay? That's not living in an incarnational world. That's not a biblical worldview. That's not a Catholic worldview. The Catholic Church understands from the scriptures and from her tradition that we need to vigorously engage in the world vigorously in science, in medicine, in politics, in recreation, in all of these things, but only, only in light and only in communion of what is objectively true, good, and beautiful based off of who God is and who we are in him. To engage in all of these realms, but only what is in communion with the truth. Because there's, there's tons of the, these aspects, right? Whether it be, again, science, medicine, uh, politics, or whatever. That's like, hey, like, this is the answer, but it's not in communion with Christ. Or even you just take those big things out. I mean, like, little small things. Every sin is essentially this. You know what sin is? An apparent good, but not an actual good. It seems good to me, and so I want it, right? I mean, like, who chooses sin or something because they're like, I'm going to hate this. This is why I want to do it. You know, e even if you're wrestling with it, you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. But, like, you're doing it because you think it's good because you want it in, so in some way. It, but sin is an apparent good, not the true good. And so how many ways or how many different forms or fashions we could talk in so many things like as I'm, as I'm dealing with suffering in my life, the truth is, is that I need to seek the Lord first and then all practical remedies and communion with him that I can. And I need to help alleviate suffering for other people, seeking the Lord's goodness and mercy and all practical remedies and cooperation with the Lord that I can. But I need to ask myself too, what is the truth? Because just because I can do something doesn't mean I should do something. It's a big question. It's the moral question, the ethical question, the question of truth. And Jesus is telling us, don't be deceived. Because the enemy wants to tell us, right, you can alleviate all suffering here. It's ridiculous. It's just not true. The Lord tells us that all suffering will be relieved in heaven. Ultimately in heaven. We should try to do whatever we can in communion with the Lord to receive, relieve our own suffering and the suffering of others, but not by stepping out of what is true. Not by taking it into our own hands. And so, his, like we, if you were... At a mass I preached last week, I said there are two things. Asked, like, are we willing to die for our faith in the sense, like, to surrender to the Lord and what is true and good? That we need two things in our life, and I'm going to add a third one this week. The first is a growing and deepening relationship with Jesus in prayer. I have to be able to trust him deeply. Deeply. 
Especially if I'm suffering and there's an apparent, there's an apparent good that's put before me, but not an actual good. And then the second thing, I have to know the truth. I need to study why the church teaches what she does, and not just what she teaches, but why. So that I can rest in the foundation of it. I talked about going on formed on our website of seeking the Maji Center, there's the catechism, it's amazing. The third thing is we need each other. We need the body of Christ to walk together to be encouraging each other, strengthening each other, praying for each other, engaging in the world with each other for the sake of building up of the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, Jesus tells us, right, do not be deceived. Many people will come saying, I got a fix to your problem. But we only say yes if it's in communion with the Lord. Only say yes if it's communion with the teaching of the church because that's the only thing that's going to bring us to peace ultimately, that we're longing for. And the suffering that we endure in the midst of this world, we united to Jesus, and it is redemptive, it is salvific, it is powerful. And then in the end, what does Jesus tell us? Perseverance will gain us life. Our persevering with Christ in faith, in the truth, will gain us eternal life for ourselves, for those who, who walk with us. So let us not be deceived. Let us encourage each other in the truth and a deeper relationship with Christ in understanding and knowing the truth and in being brothers and sisters on this journey together so that we would persevere with Christ and know the fullness of eternal joy.